Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Hi there, welcome to Leading Lights and Merry Christmas. I'm Greg Donaldson. Today I want to talk to you about the wise men who came from the East. We've heard this story so many times. Whenever we talk about Christmas, whenever we watch a nativity play, we have this story of wise men coming from the East. But I want to show you today that it is an unusual story and a, and a surprising story. If we hadn't heard it so many times, I think we would be surprised by the story. So in Matthew chapter 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, and then they quoted an Old Testament prophecy, Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. The first thing I want to bring to your attention is that these were not Jewish people. These were people from the east, from Persia. And the word translated wise men in the Bible is the word magi, M-A-G-I, where we get our word magician from. It's the same word that it talks about a magician in Acts chapter 8 called Simon the sorcerer. And in Acts chapter 13, another man called Elimus the sorcerer. It's, it's somebody who practices dark arts, magic arts. Now that's a surprise, isn't it? These are some of the first people to come and worship Jesus. They're not from Israel. They're not part of the Jewish heritage with all the history and the Old Testament that we know of. They are foreigners from another country and they are practicing dark arts, magical arts. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping other things, including the stars. They are astrologers. Um, they look at the stars and they look for signs in the stars. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while or if you've been involved in church, you've probably heard that um, we speak as Christians against astrology. We say that it's meaningless, it's not helpful, it's, it's not worshiping God. We also speak against magic and witchcraft and any other religion. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that anyone who serves any other religion, uh, there is something demonic behind it. So we often speak in Christian circles about how Christ is the only way. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And we 
encourage people not to be involved in other things. But the thing I want to bring out to you today is that God is so great that if a person seeks God and seeks his truth and really wants to find God and find reality and and worship the, the real creator of the universe, even if they're brought up in a foreign culture where there is no Christianity, even if they're brought up in a culture where they have started to worship other gods, if they are truly seeking God, then what the Bible says is true. You will seek me and find me if you search for me with all your heart. Now, that is a shocking thing for many people to hear. At this Christmas time, um, I don't want to shock you. I don't want to make your, your Christmas um, alarming. But I want to show you today that even a person who has been brought up away from God, who had no knowledge of God, who even maybe had strayed into worshiping other things. Maybe, you know, nowadays in the West, a lot of the Eastern religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, and many of those other religions um, have become part of our society. And so people often without knowing it will buy something from a shop, a, a crystal or a candle or something or a little statue. And actually, when you look behind it at the source of that thing, it comes from a foreign religion. Now, I am not advocating that, but I want to say to you that if that's where you find yourself today, or if somebody you know is at that point, I want to encourage you that God can help that person find him if they seek him from where they are. It doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter which culture, which country, any corner of the planet Earth and any type of weird belief structure or foreign religion or anything that you start at, if you are genuinely seeking God himself, you will find him. And you say to me, Greg, can that really be true? I want to say to you, there are several times in the Bible where this truth is reiterated. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 29, it says, from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. I want to say to you, my dear friend, you may have just switched on the TV. You may have just stumbled across this talk. You say, who's that man on the TV talking about Christmas? I, I, I'm not a Christian. I don't want anything to do with this. I want to say to you, God says, from there, from where you are right now, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah 29 says the same thing. It says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Luke 11 says, And I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. There's an amazing little passage in Acts chapter 17, which I want to read to you just before I go on and talk about the wise men. It says, And God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times, and the boundaries of their dwellings. So what that's saying is that when you were born, God decided when is the best time in history for you to be born and where is the best place on the earth for you to be born. 
the best nation, nationality, family group that you're in. God decided where and when, but it goes on. It says, so that they should seek the Lord. Do you remember we're talking about the wise men who were seeking Jesus? It says that you were born in the time and place where you were born. You say, I was born in a culture that didn't know God. Or maybe you were born in a Christian family. Wherever you were born and whatever time you were born in, God said that is the best place for you to have a chance of seeking the Lord. It goes on to say, in the hope that they might grope for him. Isn't that an interesting word? God decided the best time and place because he wanted you and every other human being on the planet to grope for him. But it's not hard to find him. It goes on to say, and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You know, God is just as close to the stranger living in a foreign land as he is to the person living in a Christian country right next door to a little chapel. God is right here, but he wants people to seek him. Isn't that interesting? God wants people to seek him. And I can tell my story. I am from European descent. My, great, my grandfather was born in Cornwall in the UK. Uh, my granny was born in India, even though she was of English descent. Um, so I, you know, I'm of European descent. But I was born in a little African country called Zimbabwe. And you say, why on earth would, you, would God want you to be born in another place so far away from the Christianized country of your grandparents. Um, I was born into a non-believing family. My parents never went to church. They never took me to church. They were living a lifestyle that was very worldly. But at the age of 17, I started groping and looking for God. And I remember going into libraries and looking up books about other religions and, and spiritual things and mysticism and, and just trying to find meaning to life. And when I started searching, I found God. I was in a little boarding school in a tiny little village in the, the desert of Central Africa in a little town called Plumtree. And somebody shared with me and they said, come, I want to tell you about Jesus. And I found God and my life was completely turned around. I was going a bad direction and I knew that I was heading for some really bad things in my life. And God completely turned my life around when I started to seek him. And I want to say to you, my dear friend, wherever you are, wherever you've come from, God wants you to seek him. And he put you in the place that he knew. He knew your character. He knew everything about you before you were born. And he thought, where is the best place for that person to seek me and grope for me and find me? Where is the best place in history? Where is the best place in geography? Let me put them there. And these wise men, these magic men from the East wanted to know God. And they were searching within the knowledge they had. They looked around them. They looked at all the things their spiritual leaders taught them. They had some knowledge. They looked at the stars and God used where they were without um, endorsing foreign religions, without saying those are right, but he will use them. If a person is really seeking him, he will use them to lead them to Christ. Isn't that amazing? There's a book called Eternity in Their Hearts by a man called Don Richardson. He was a missionary in many, many countries around the world for many years. He spent some time 
in Papua New Guinea and various other countries of the world. He was an American man. But at the end of his missionary career, he wrote a story about how the culture of many, many nations that he had visited, they were non-Christianized nations. And yet he found within every single culture and every nationality something that pointed people towards Christ. And it's an amazing book because it talks about customs and beliefs and even written into the alphabet of some nationalities' writings in their folklore and mythology, in their memories and stories they've told of their past. There was something about God, the God of the Bible and salvation um, that pointed them to Christ, no matter who they were. And he said the key to being a good missionary is finding the things that are already there in the culture. And then the people in that culture who seek God, taking them all the way through to meet Jesus. And these wise men found Jesus because they were seeking. Now, the amazing thing is that they traveled. So they saw a star. The star probably appeared when Jesus was born and then they traveled. And it was probably about a year after Jesus was born that they arrived in Jerusalem. And they went to the leaders of the Jewish nation. They went to Herod, who was the Jewish leader, the king. And they said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And Herod called together the priests and the scribes and the religious leaders. And the interesting thing is all of those people knew where the Messiah was supposed to be born. They said it's going to be Bethlehem, which was a little village, a tiny little town about six miles south of Jerusalem. They said it's going to be Bethlehem. They knew it from their head knowledge. They knew it from their culture. They knew it from reading the scriptures, but they were not seeking Christ. And so they never found him. And I want to say to you, there are many, many people who have grown up in a, a wealth of knowledge about God and about Christianity. At my boarding school that I went to when I was a teenager, it was a Christian based boarding school. It was a church boarding school. And so we had an assembly every morning where we sung Christian hymns and where we read from the Bible. And yet 95% of the people at my boarding school never found God. But those who were seeking and those like me who came from a completely non-Christian background who were seeking. You see, it's not how much of Christianity you have around you that determines whether you become a Christian. It's whether you have something in your heart that says, I want to know. I want to know the truth. Isn't there more to life than this? Isn't there... Isn't there some reality? Isn't there some meaning? And at this Christmas time, I just want to give you a little picture that describes something of what these wise men did that may help you at Christmas time to, to find your way to Christ. Have you ever heard of the game called Pass the Parcel? When I was a kid, we played it. And when I had children, they played it, especially at birthday parties. The idea is that you sit in a circle with all your friends and your parents have wrapped a gift in the middle of many, many, many layers of wrapping paper. Have you ever played the game? When I was a child, it was newspaper or brown paper, just plain paper. There was a present in the middle, something nice. And then there were just layers and layers of newspaper or brown paper. But as time has gone on since I was a child, 
the game has developed so that first of all the paper became fancy paper so every layer of wrapping paper was beautiful and, and nicely decorated and then they started putting little gifts there was a big gift in the middle and then there would be little gifts every now and again in between various layers of wrapping paper they would put a small gift so that the children didn't get discouraged and that everybody felt happy instead of just one getting the gift several of them got the gift and then nowadays I've heard that there's a gift in every single layer. But the point is that the goal is to get to the gift right in the middle. And the, the parcel is passed around the circle and music is playing. And when the music stops, whoever's holding the parcel at the time unwraps a layer and wonders, have I got the gift? Now at Christmas time, there are many layers of beautiful things around the gift of Jesus. There is the layer of Christmas cheer. Have you ever noticed that? Suddenly everybody's kinder to everybody else. There is a feeling of joy and well-being and the brotherhood of man and there's Christmas cheer. And that's a layer of wrapping paper. There's the layer of good food. There's the layer of family get-togethers. There's the layer of holidays off work. There's the layer of presents being given. And all of those layers are wonderful pieces of wrapping paper, but it is possible for you to go through Christmas and you've unwrapped three or four of those layers and you've had a wonderful time and you haven't realized that if you had just kept on unwrapping and seeking and pressing deeper, you would have found Jesus in the middle of the present. I'm praying for all of us this Christmas. I'm praying especially for you. If you have not known Jesus, but you've just somehow stumbled on this Christmas show this, this year, I'm praying for you that you would enjoy the family, enjoy the holiday period, enjoy the gifts and the food and all the wonderful things of Christmas, but that you would continue to press in and press deeper and press through until you find the gift that is worth more than anything in this world. Because you see earthly things, earthly material possessions, even earthly friendships and love, are wonderful, but they cannot guarantee that we will live with God, enjoy and fellowship with Him forever. They are temporary. They have a place and they are wonderful, but they are temporary and they only last on this earth while we're alive. But I want to tell you, there is an eternity to come, much, much greater than the short time we have on earth. And the way to spend eternity with God is to find that little baby who was born in obscurity in a tiny little village in a little dirty manger in a stable and to find him. And what happened with these wise men is they kept on pressing through. So first of all, they would have seen the star and they could have stopped there. They could have stopped at that layer of wrapping paper and said, oh, well, that's nice. There was a king born to the Jews. But they said, no, we're going to leave our home. We're going to leave our family. We're going to leave our religion and everything we thought was true, and we're going to press him because there's more. There's more. And so they traveled over a long distance, spent a lot of money to travel. And eventually they got to Jerusalem and they asked the leaders there. And the leaders told them, yes, Bethlehem, that's where it is. But the leaders probably would have said, but look at our wonderful temple that King Herod has built for us. And again, they could have stopped there. They could have spent some time with the religious leaders. They could have gone through the rituals of the Jewish temple. They could have said to King Herod, wonderful, we pay you homage and we give you our gifts. But they said, no, 
there's more. And they traveled to Bethlehem. They followed the star. And then they would have looked and they would have eventually found this dirty little place where Mary and Joseph and Jesus were living. By this time, Jesus was at least a year old, probably, maybe even more, because later on it says that Herod ensured that all the boys aged two and under would be killed because it was that long since the star first appeared. So Jesus was one or two years old by now. But they pressed in, they came in, and they saw him. They saw Jesus, and then they knew this is what we've been looking for. They worshipped him. You see, if you seek, you will find. And if you find, you will worship. It's just the natural progression. When you find Jesus, the, the response that is evoked is worship. We worship him. He's great. He's wonderful. He's, he's got so much coming out of him of love and blessing. We worship him. But then the last thing is we will give of ourselves. And they gave their gifts. And they were expensive gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh which speak of gold being of a king, frankincense being of a priest or a, or a religious leader, and myrrh being somebody that, that was the spice they put around a dead body. They didn't realize they were giving prophetic gifts, but they gave gifts that showed who Jesus was. And then they had a dream and God spoke to them and said, no, Herod is not being honest with you. He does not want to worship Jesus. And so they went a different way back to their country. And I believe their lives would change forever. So if you seek, you will find. Can I ask, are you seeking? How far in the levels of wrapping paper have you gone to find Jesus? Maybe you've sought and you've stopped halfway. Maybe you got tired. Maybe somebody's hurt you. You know, it's quite possible that a, a Christian or a religious person has done something that has offended you or hurt you. And you say, if that's Christianity, I want nothing more to do with it. I want to tell you that is like a child in a pass the parcel game opening a piece of wrapping paper and the child next to them rips a piece of the paper and they say, oh, well, I'm not going to open any more of the parcel. Just because somebody else acts wrongly doesn't mean there isn't a gift in the middle. And I want to say to you, keep going. Keep seeking. If you seek with all your heart, you will find. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Everyone who seeks will find. You will search for me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I can testify that that was the case for me. I found Jesus. If you have an honest prayer, you say, Lord, show me yourself. I want to know you. I want to worship you. I want, to, I want the truth. Not just the, the glitzy things that the world says are the truth. I want the truth. Lord, show yourself to me. You will find. Secondly, you will worship. You will worship. If you find him, you will worship. And can I just ask, are you really worshiping him? Or perhaps you're going through the motions. You know, all the people who lived six miles away from Jesus, all the priests and the rabbis in the temple, they were going through ritual worship. They would do the things they were told to do. They would sacrifice the animals. They would go through the rituals. They would say the right words. They did all the right things. But Jesus, later on in his life, when he met them, he said, your hearts are far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are not there. You're not worshiping me truly. And that's really what it's all about. Can I ask you, do you worship Jesus? And really, it's like a love relationship. I often liken it to a husband and wife. You know, what passes as worship nowadays 
would never pass in a, in a husband and wife relationship. So I can remember when I was at boarding school, going into assembly and we were singing hymns that had words about God. And it was at the time when I was seeking God and I was just finding him and, and realizing there's more to life. And I looked around me and I saw hundreds of people singing words about God, but they were completely uninterested in God. And I remember thinking, that's not, that's not it. That's not genuine worship. Can I ask you, has your heart been moved in worship? You know, a husband and wife, if they were to meet in the way that many of us go through the motions of worship these days. Imagine a, a wife walks into the kitchen and she's kind of bored and she's yawning. And she says, oh, dear husband, I greet thee this morning. And then she looks at her piece of paper of what words she needs to say. I bless thee and I thank thee for being a wonderful husband. And all the time she's doing something else and, and she's preparing her breakfast or whatever. And the husband's standing there really wanting a love relationship. He's really wanting to interact. But she is just going through some words that somebody else told her to say and her heart is not engaged. But real worship is you look into their eyes, you genuinely say, I love you. I, I want to spend time with you. I want to know you better. And you have a real relationship. That is worship. If you seek him, you'll find him. If you find him, you will worship. And then lastly, if you are worshiping, it will cost you something. You will give of yourself. Because when we see Jesus, he is the great giver. He gave his life. For us. He gave everything he had. He, he lived in heaven with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in perfect communion, in perfect fellowship, in, in heaven. He had everything he needed, but he chose to come and inhabit the body of a weak, frail baby in a dirty manger. He gave up everything to be with us so that he could die for us. When we see Jesus, when we worship him, and when we see that he is the great giver, what happens is we change and we become givers. And so you find Christians doing extraordinarily generous things. And I'm not just talking about financial giving. I'm talking about their time, their energy, their their convenience, uh, their security. They, they give up things for people who may never give anything back because they love God so much. They give, they give, they give, they give. And then lastly, we hear back from him. The last thing we see of the wise men is that they had a dream and God warned them what to do. We start to hear from God and he guides us. Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we start to get a peace in our hearts. And he says, this is the way, my child, walk in it. Do this today. What about speaking to that person? Pray this prayer. Uh, don't go that way. Go this way. And we start to be led and guided by his word, by his spirit. We, we read his word and it changes us from the inside. And we start to think and act like God wants us to act. Will you pray with me today? Father God, thank you. Thank you for Christmas and thank you for this opportunity to seek you. Lord, I'm sorry if I've stopped unwrapping the parcel at a layer too soon. God, I pray today that you would help me to persevere, to keep on seeking and to find you, Jesus. Lord, I want to seek you. I want to find you. I want to worship you. I want to give to you and I want to hear your voice in my heart. And if you are here today wanting to give your heart to Jesus, just pray these words with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came, you lived, you died for me, 
and that you are alive in heaven today. And I ask you to come into my heart, to wash me, to make me brand new and clean, to forgive me of my sins and to make me your child and set me on your path for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please let us know what's going on in your life. You can email us, look at our website, leadinglightsnetwork.com and let us know and we would love to walk with you through this path. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.